What's up, guys? Welcome to Just So We're Clear, a podcast brought to you straight out of Singapore with your host, Marissa True, and myself, Hanley Hofer. Now, if you've listened to us before, well, you know the deal. But if you're new here, well, hey, welcome. So on this show, we cover pretty much everything to do with modern life, female empowerment, sex, mental health, finances, you name it, we do it in the most uncut way possible. Mm -hmm. So grab a coffee, maybe even a glass of wine. No, definitely some wine. Light a scented candle. Or maybe you're at the gym or you're cooking your dinner. But consider this next hour your time to feel like you're not alone. Because trust us, we get it. It's just so we're clear. Hello, listeners. Where to even begin? So first off, we did have an episode we forgot to edit. We need to stop admitting <laughs> these things. We need to we stop do. admitting these things. We do, but at the same time, at what point do you just avoid the truth? And at what point do you ha- hold yourself accountable? So my my personal favorite is to just ignore the truth. So let's ignore the truth and so get to it. when someone brings it up, you just go, oh, what? That? I didn't even see that. I love also adding a little giggle to it. What? Oh, yeah. That, I did do that. <laughs> That's so <laughs> funny. Anyway. <laughs> um... So Hanley Marissa here. This has been one of the busiest and most amazing last few weeks of my life, at least, because I am in a big transition period. Um, yeah. How do I even get into it? Maybe we should start with a little bit of a check-in before Our we get maps. into the meat. How are we doing today? How you doing? I feel pretty good. If we run through our maps, our mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual, I would say mentally, mentally, I'm a little burnt out, but I think it's just because you're trying to cram in everything you need to do before the year is out. And you know, the finish line is right there and it's just really difficult to get to because that final stretch is just exhausting. Emotionally, I would say I'm downer than usual, which is partly the content that we're gonna get into on the podcast because Hanley's leaving. (laughs) (laughs) Physically, I have an old woman body. Things are aching and tight and it's very difficult to move and my knee makes me hobble like a pirate. So that's not great. And then spiritually, fine. (laughs) Spiritually is fine. Spiritual's up. That's good. Um, Well, I, on the other hand, um, let me see. Um, mentally, I am in a really good place. I'm, you know what? I'm in a good place head to toe in all of them because good. generally, like this is a season of change for me. Marissa said it earlier, but I am on the cusp of leaving Singapore. And before people are like, "What? You're leaving Singapore?" Let me let me break it down. Like I'm not. I'm moving, but I'm not actually. It should be the other way. I'm moving out of Singapore, but I'm not leaving Singapore. Yeah. Yeah. So I am going to be relocating my life for the next few months, um, mainly in Sri Lanka. I think I shared with you guys earlier that I have some family business there and I've always wanted to spend time there. So today is like, honestly, the last day in Singapore. And then I fly off tomorrow. See, that's crazy for me because it really shattered the illusion that all of your life decisions were about me. (laughs) 
and I'm realizing they won't. And it's crazy, right? Yeah. As I might believe that to be. I'm going to have to live with it because this do be a positive thing. I'm just mad. <laughs> so, yeah, I am on my exit and I'm feeling pretty good about it. The house is packed. The dogs are covered. The situ- the plans have been made. The flights have been booked. And I have been wanting to make this move, honestly, forever. Genuinely years. I think that's one thing that we should probably dig into is the fact that you and I, over the course of our however long friendship, have always spoken about leaving. Mm-hmm. And we spoke about it for so long. I was like, I guess neither of us are going to do it. We're just always going to talk about it. And then you straight up booked a flight. I was like, oh, fuck. It's happening. Yeah. I I guess I needed it. Like, I actually really needed to have a change of environment for a while. And don't get me wrong. I love Singapore. Singapore is my home. Singapore is where all my precious memories and traumas are made. I'm here. Marissa's here. My family's here. But at the end of the day, Singapore is a small place. It's a small country. And and I just feel like I need to live abroad for a while before mm-hmm. I ever think about coming back and like really starting to do whatever next chapter of life would look like here. If I come back here at all. That's the thing that I think is kind of like you need to leave to understand that if there were a world in which you come back and say, this is where you raise your kids. It has to be an active decision rather than the default. Like you have to know what the big wide world is before you decide, no, I want to come back and do it here. Well, another big aspect of that is that, see, for me, so I I don't really suffer from FOMO. Mm-hmm. I don't have social FOMO. Okay. But I do have nature FOMO. And I realized like whenever I would be scrolling or whenever people would be talking about experiences and stuff, my heart would jerk when I would hear about people having adventure and being out in nature and like seeing the world and just like integrating with different cultures and just learning and trying new foods and seeing new sites. Like that is where I noticed like my heart would jump. And it's called, what's the thing? I saw this online and I really loved it. It's sort of like the opposite of a trigger is a sparkle. I think that's the term they use for it. So it's like a positive thing in your soul. Like when you actually feel excitement in your heart over something that like lights you up mm-hmm. and the same kind of intensity that like a trigger would negatively like tug on the threads of some like horrible memory. Mm-hmm. It's like the other way around, the sure. complete opposite. Sure. So I would have a little sparkle in my soul whenever I would think about being living in a place that's close to nature, living near the ocean, living somewhere that's vast and like new and and just different. And I realized all I would do when I would scroll is collect images of like outdoors and adventure and wild. And all I would do is daydream about being in these places and living a life there. And it just became so clear to me that I had to, I just absolutely have to do this, um, that it just became non-negotiable. Like we spoke about it so many times, but beyond you and I speaking about it, I actually would like dream and vision board about this type of life. And Mm -hmm. I just have to do it. So I have to leave for a bit and go live this type of, you know, adventure, nature driven life. So what you're really alluding to is a calling. Mm -hmm. So this sparkle, like the bigger, all those sparkles basically come together to form your calling and your calling is just not here, at least not for now. Yeah. And that's great because it's not like, you know, I think I think often when people feel antsy and they feel like they need to move, it's because of a dissatisfaction with the position that they're in. And it doesn't sound like yours is coming from a place of dissatisfaction. It's just kind of a place of I've done this now. 
on to the next thing, which I think is a very different proposition because it's kind of like you're growing into the next thing rather than escaping the one before it. Yes, I think that's a truthful way to look at it because I love my life here and I love like my friends and my community. There's nothing wrong with my life here, but there is that yearning for something a little different, something for me, which is a little more. And I think, you know, I think this is I'm I feel like I'm literally following my dreams right now in that mm -hmm. regard. And I'm so damn proud of myself because it's scary. When else am I going to do this in my life? Yeah. Like, wh at what point are we all going to stop staring at what we want through a screen, stop daydreaming about what we want in our like dream space and actually just take action to go for it? Like it feels really empowering. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. So a lot of people have been asking me recently, like, aren't you sad? Are you going to miss things? And I am sad, but I'm more charged with this feeling of having control over my future mm -hmm. that it doesn't feel sad. Like, I feel calm. It feels right. Mm -hmm. Like all of the good things. It's like the closure that comes with it. It's because it comes with a confidence that I don't think. Because I think a lot of people, when they do it, they're like, oh, is this the right move? Am I sure? And then when they get there, they're like, no, this is... This is positive. This is good. Or at least they like rationalize it after the fact. But I think if it's so deep in your bones and you know this for a fact, there's nothing really to be sad about. Mm -hmm. Like the separation is always going to be a little bit sad. Like I'm going to be sad to not see you every week. But I'm not sad about the fact that you're doing this for yourself. Mm. Like I'm proud of you for doing this for yourself because I want to do this for myself. I'm a little bit behind because I'm still here, but it. I know the feeling of when you go somewhere or you're doing something and then there's this glimmer of, I didn't know that felt that sort of way. I feel that when I go abroad to certain, very certain cities and where it doesn't feel like a holiday, I can instantly see what my life looks like. And I don't get that with everywhere. And the only places it's really, really hit home has been... New York City and my first trip to Cape Town. Mm. Both of those places, the moment I landed, I could see it. Mm -hmm. And I instantly, I felt like I was a part of the furniture immediately. And I was like, this isn't how I feel at home. Mm. Like, I'm not as energetic as I am at home. Or no, sorry, the other way around. Or like, I'm not as inspired or I'm not as motivated or I'm not as stimulated. So it's kind of this feeling of, oh, if I'm going to jump out of this little rock pool that is Singapore, that has served me so well and is such like a healthy and vibrant ecosystem and community of people that I love and care for, the next one's the ocean. And I'd like to be in the ocean. Mm -hmm. And I think that's basically what you're moving towards, which is great. It's good. And I think, I think you will go to your ocean. I think that it will start to happen to you when the thought becomes too much bigger. Like it, it becomes too big to ignore that feeling, the calling, that like inexplicable like pull towards something where it actually starts to become obsessive. I think it will happen for you because it yeah. starts with a conversation, right? Like I think like this is why talking about anything is always so healthy because when you talk about things to people, it's not just about you communicating it to them. It's about you hearing it come out of your own mouth and sometimes the resonance of like the words you say hit you differently when you hear them say it. Yeah. So the more you talk about the things you want, the clearer they become the things for you. Yeah. No, it's so true. And it also, it's a good check for yourself because I've said stuff out loud where the moment I've said it, I'm like, nope, I've realized that's not actually how I feel. Mm -hmm. Like the moment, like the moment you bring it from internally to externally, suddenly you're like, oh, I feel different about that now that I've verbalized it. Mm -hmm. 
And I think I also agree that like I'm I'm pretty confident that I'm going to jump out of this rock pool just because I love Singapore and it served me a lot. But I've always felt like I was destined for bigger. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing it's not to say Singapore is like not relevant. It is a big deal. I'm just saying it's not my big deal. This is not where I become everything I'm supposed to be. This is where I start. Mm-hmm. And so it's a matter of, like you said, that moment of when does this idea really take hold and just keep me up at night because I need to make this move. And I mean, every single year I tell myself I'm going to leave next year. Every single year, literally every single year. And I've lived here for 10 years now. But for me, it's about the conversations you have where eventually one of those conversations points to a crack in the door. And that's the one I want to go for. Mm -hmm. And I'm just waiting to find that door. Maybe this is the door. Is it? Yeah, I got to figure out what I'm going to do over there, though. Because I could be just like a really hot surf instructor. Or I could... (laughs) I love how you say that as if you surf. (laughs) I'll learn. (laughs) If there's anything this conversation is teaching us, it's that we can be anything we want. And I could definitely be a surf instructor. I just have to stay one lesson ahead of my students. (laughs) (laughs) I learned this last week. I mean, I learned this four years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And every single time they have a question, I'll be like, I'll get back to you on that. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, coming off of this kind of explanation of what's happening um, for people who are curious on more details of how it's going to work, like what about my life? So I plan to come back basically like once a month. Yeah, I'm so, coming. I'm coming back so frequently that it doesn't actually feel like anything's really going to change for others. So basically, every instead of every week or other week that I see you, it'll be every three weeks. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty it's much. great. Yeah. And I'll go, I'll go visit you. You're not far away. Yeah. And also, Sri Lanka is not that far, you guys. People don't realize Sri Lanka is only three and a half hours away. That's like Bali. It Door to door, it is like Bali. And this is my, like, my grip with Bali. And I'm going to claim it, okay? I think Bali is done. I was done a while ago. But I know. I was still discovering it and acting like they were first. I know, but Bali is so oversaturated at this point. But, okay, but we have different perspectives. First of all, we have a very privileged perspective because we've been going to Bali basically our whole lives. So we understand Bali from what it was to where it is now. Well, so with a, a lot of people living in Singapore. Like that was everyone's it, like backyard for a while. Like we were able to go to Bali yeah. and it was very uh, accessible to so many of us. Like so many, like Singaporeans individually have a relationship with Bali. We all do. It's And it's great, but it means that we're all in this privileged boat with what Bali represents to us. And like the fact that if you're coming from America to Asia for the very first time and Bali is going to be a freaking wonderland. Like Bali is incredible for that kind of thing. Bali is your first stop in Asia. Paradise. But we've been there before it was cool, when it was cool and after it was cool. You know what I mean? So we kind of we do have a bit of a spoiled perspective. But that being said, first of all, to just counter the gripe for Bali, there's so much more of Bali beyond Changu and Ubud and Seminyak and, and Kuta that people really need to figure out like the rest of the island. Like you are dealing with basically the crust of the bread, not knowing that there is so much more of the slice. No, but also Bali has just been so heavily marketed in the last three years because like all the influencers, all the digital nomads flock there. You don't want to go get life coaching? 
in Bali from some 23-year-old with zero life experience? I mean, as someone who's kind of literally lived it, I'm on the other side being like, it was fun. But now that I see it's happening on such a big scale. And also, let's not talk about when you go to Bali. All you do is sit in traffic for fucking like 70% of the time. So that to me is not a good time. Anyway, my point is Sri Lanka (laughs) is only three and a half hours away, door to door. It's just like Indonesia and Bali in terms of accessibility. In fact, there are so many other places in Asia that are if not more beautiful and more exciting to explore than just Bali. So I just want to say that out there. So that kind of like prompts people to maybe consider other options for their next weekend getaway. Because don't pretend that you don't know what I'm talking about when I say like Bali, we've been there, done that. We have. But what I would also say is that I love Sri Lanka. I've been to Sri Lanka a few times and I think the place is absolutely magical. And it does remind me of the Bali I feel like I used to visit. Yes. Way back when. And for that reason, don't go because you could ruin it for everybody, including me. If you guys want like untouched non-tourist beaches. Yeah, but then I'm going to touch it. <laughs> if you guys want to like trek through waterfalls that like genuinely just don't have that much litter. because then don't go to Sri Lanka. <laughs> <laughs> if you want food that tastes like something you've never tried before. If you want to eat curry on a beach, I highly recommend it. Ugh. Because no one so thinks good. of eating curry on a beach, but damn, it hits a spot. Oh, it is next level. Then come to Sri Lanka. But the point is, I will be basically spokesperson for that place for like the next six months plus. And I even hope to create some sort of retreats or some type of business out there to bring the masses over. Like I'm really this passionate about introducing people to the jewel of the Indian Ocean. So, yeah. Come to Sri Lanka, y'all. And honestly, hit me up. If you're really hearing this and it's like, oh, maybe I should message me. I'll give you a whole list of recommendations and things to do. Like consider me your Sri Lankan concierge for a little bit because I'm down. So the last time I was in Sri Lanka was with you Mm -hmm. and our friend Yumi, our dear friend Yumi. And so much happened that trip. But you know what I recently remembered that genuinely sat with me for a while? It was when we went to the beach to learn how to surf and we hung out with all those local guys who were really cool about teaching us the basic skills. But then the second time we went, they didn't join us in the water and we heard this rumor that there were salt crocodile sightings in the ocean. And we were like, I'm sure that's just a rumor until we noticed that it was literally just us and every other tourist in the water and not a single local was stepping in. Remember when they tried to kill us? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm saying is don't go to Sri Lanka. There are crocodiles in the water. (laughs) Anyway, lots of adventures to unpack. A lot of things to look forward to in the upcoming months. Um, But yes, let's move on to the next point of today's podcast. Because Marissa and I sat down earlier as we were eating some pastries from Cheongbaru Bakery. And we were talking about Human courtesy. Social etiquette, Politeness. Decency, if you will. Just not being a dick. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you guys have noticed this because I feel like it's happened way too often for both of us in recent weeks. But we feel like there is a lacking of just like social consideration and decency and niceness. Like I've had more annoying encounters with human beings in the last few weeks than I feel like I've ever had. I don't know what is happening in Mercury right now, but there's something up and people are just dumb. I'm not even going to blame Mercury. I'm going to blame them. I think they're terrible people. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so what's the what's the moment in the last few days or a couple of weeks where you were like, fuck this shit? It's not so much the moments. I think, you know what? I think what it is, is that I really notice that there are like few, there are maybe two types of people in the world, right? Only two. There are those who over-communicate, you and I. Mm-hmm. And then there are those that we get angry about because we are over-communicators and we think the world is like us. I would rather someone reply with something I don't like than be silent. Because if I don't like what they have to say, I can be annoyed. But if they don't say anything, I will be outraged. There is nothing that grinds my gears and boils my piss more than just like... Boils your piss. I heard this saying recently and honestly, I had to use it at some stage. And I thought, where best to put this other than my podcast? (laughs) Then someone not replying to my shit. Well, basically, I think what it is, it's... Okay, this is my favorite trait in people across the board. And it's people who are considerate. And I think there are, it feels like there are less people who are considerate in the world. Like, what does it mean to be considerate? Just think about the way that you interact with someone and make it the way that you wish that they would interact with you. Yeah, like if I'm going to pour myself a glass of water, I'm going to pour you a glass of water. Exactly. Treat others the way you want to be treated. And also just be pleasant, be nice. It doesn't cost a lot to be kind and to be nice to one another. But I feel like maybe people are just forgetting. Like, you can still have the, you, you can be going through the worst lifetime possible and still show up in the world as a really kind person. I've met these type of people, the ones who are like sunshine when they walk through a room, but they're the ones who actually are carrying the heaviest burdens. Like people can show up in all sorts of ways with whatever is going on in their life and still not project it and make it other people's problems. And I just, sometimes there just comes a point where I've just engaged with too many people where I'm like, why is it your journey to make your problem everyone else's right now? Because they're energy vampires. yeah. That's the phrase I watched in a TV show, uh, Everything We Do in the Shadows or something. And what, what, how do you engage with energy vampires? What's your strategy? Um, I used to overindulge it because I used to think, oh, this is a person who clearly requires a bit of counsel and support. So let me be there for them. And it was only probably, and again, it's one of those like, fool me once, shame on me, fool me, or shame on, you know. Yeah. You know the same I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I fucked Boil it up. I'm sorry. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> but. It, by the third, fourth time, if I'm sitting there still having the same conversation, I'm going to make an af- active effort to just distance myself. Mm. Like, that's the point at which I'll still reply. I'll still be polite, but I'm just not going to overextend my energy anymore. If someone's like, hey, how are you? And I know it's kind of this gateway to ask me how I am. I'm just going to be like, I'm good. I'm actually kind of busy right now. I'll get back to you. That is such a smart way to do it. But what happens if these people were not always energy vampires and they're your friends and suddenly they turn into energy vampires and you kind of like, what do, what do you do now? You abandoned them. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't honestly know. I think if you have the rich quality kind of friendship that I think you and I like to believe that we have, it's about having a frank and open conversation and being like, I don't think I'm giving you the support you need because we keep coming back to the same conversation or the same problem. So what is it that you're actually asking me for? Like, do you just want to rant? Because if you do, I don't think I'm that person for you because I have to deal with too much of my own stuff. And it's too much of a load for me to bear on top of every other responsibility that I'm managing. Or if you are genuinely looking for a solution, if nothing I've offered you before 
has been helpful, how else can I help? Mm. Because clearly I'm not the person with the answers. I think it's important to, and if you are able to do this, to not make your friends or your partners your therapists. Yes. But also you have to be responsible for yourself in like not letting yourself build your own resentment against your friend who is probably either A, oblivious to the fact that they're an energy vampire or B, looking to you for a source of support and just not really understanding for themselves what they need at that point in time. Like, Mm. I think most people will get to the point of just being like, oh, I don't want to hang out with so-and-so because I'm just too exhausted every single time I hang out with them. It's like, they're clearly dealing with something. And if that's not support you can offer, you should have that conversation. Um, I think people who are naturally very empathetic are prone to being sucked into an energy vampire cycle. <laughs> <laughs> because um, people like that want to be the ones who want to help. You do want to help. And it comes from a really good place. But then you realize after enough experience, at whose cost was that over? It's the classic case of, and there's so many memes about it, of you can give the most AAA standard gold platinum advice and be like, that really is the answer to everything they're dealing with. That person's not going to do it. And that, and you can't hold them against, you can't hold it against them for that. Like, They're going to have to come to their own realization and decide when they want to change their pattern or make the right choice for themselves. But you can't feel, I guess, again, the word resentful for them not following the advice that you were willing to give. The ask holes of the world. Ask holes. Yeah. When they ask. Boil piss and ask holes. The ask holes. They ask and ask for help, but just they're not actually going to take it. They just want the attention. Yeah. So um, someone told me this and it actually changed my the perspective of of people who are energy sucking. And it was that people just navigate subconsciously through the world um, in the ways that they were taught to search for love. Mm. So people who are Mm -hmm. used to always like wanting pity, like they love pity parties and they love like sitting around just like moping and sharing their negativity. And they do it so often that you're kind of like, they do it so much, they must love it. Maybe growing up, that is how they learned to get love and attention. So they only got that affection when there was something wrong that yes. would create a need for sympathy. Exactly. And then then mm. now something happened to them and that's how they navigate through the world. So that's one way to look at it. Kind of like saves you like the frustration and be like, oh, that's like, that's their programming. Do you know what yours would be? What do you mean? If you had to think about it, like the way you seek that sort of, I guess, love and attention. Um. Oh, Yes. Praise. Praise. Oh, I have a mad praise kink. (laughs) Tell me I'm the best. Yeah. Just like reward me with words. But I do think praise is kind of like everyone, everyone gets off on praise a little bit. You know what I mean? Like we're all going to do well Yeah, of course. Yeah. And even if we can't take a compliment, we'll be like, oh my God, stop, say it again. Well, actually, no. Some people are so quick to shut down praise because it's like they're- Too uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable with praise. So if you- For the record, audience, we will never be uncomfortable with too (laughs) much praise. Yeah. So I think there's that. No, for me, it's definitely uh, praise. You? Laughter. Mm. I have to be the funny one. If people don't laugh or find me amusing or entertaining or like a little bit of a jester, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing in here. So obviously they hate me. 
just moonwalk <laughs> my way out of here. Like I don't, I find it really uncomfortable. I think for me, maybe it's less about like re- feeling like that sense of love and affection. I don't think actually on reflection, I don't think making people laugh makes me feel validated but it makes me feel like i've connected Mm, you well it's your empath self it's like oh they're comfortable they laughed they can trust me yeah yeah because if i make a joke and like it doesn't land that's okay but if they're like they don't there's no even like a glimmer of joy or like disarming then i'm like oh i'm not cool in here (laughs) (laughs) they do not like me yeah (laughs) yeah What else was I going to say? Oh, another thing that also helps me with the perspective of dealing with people who are unaware of their energy um, is that there is a recognition that to some extent, everyone just wants to be heard. Thousand percent agree. Yeah. So it's kind of like you can offer compassion to people who are starting to annoy you when you look at it from the angle of, oh, they're just trying hard to be seen and heard right Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's the thing that's also often overlooked because everyone gets so caught up in what's being said rather than why it's being said. Mm -hmm. And once you actually dial it back a step, you realize that if you answer those questions before you start engaging, you really realize where someone's coming from and what they're actually looking for, Mm -hmm. which is it's quite a therapized approach to conversations, I guess. But it does help guide you through it way easier. For sure. And I think it also just helps you like stay in your lane. Like, not get too sucked in and, try, like, don't get, don't take things personally. Like, don't take things as judgment. And, mm-hmm. like, just just kind of, like, see it, like, as an inner child kind of thing. Like, when people, like, everyone in a subconscious level, even you and me, like, everyone, we're all just acting out of some, like, unhealed wound, right? Like, basically. Unless we're healed. And even then, that's questionable. So, like, you no know. One, none of us are healed. None of us are healed. None of us are healed. Like, the moment you're healed, you get a new mosquito bite, it starts all over again. Like... It's an ongoing thing. But then also when you when you do change these perspectives, um, I also feel like I'm also able to see the difference within a social dynamic when there are people who are talking to you and then there are people who are talking at you. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's one of my biggest peeves. People who like talk at you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Do you guys know what we mean by that? I mean, I would say there's like a difference because when we were talking about the example of, say, this energy vampire and they're just talking at you and it's probably something to do with, I don't know, something they're struggling with. Say it's a breakup, say it's something, a stress at work or whatever, versus the people who talk at you that are more condescending. Yes. You can tell when someone's talking at you when they're not even giving you... They Firstly, they don't ask you the same thing back. This is not a two-way conversation. Oh, yeah. When they're literally just like throwing their opinions and facts and feelings at you. They're not leaving window for pause. They're like threading on from one topic to another to bring it back to themselves. Mm-hmm. And they're not actually interested in you. They're just interested that they have your attention and they're talking at you. Yeah. It's the classic... I'm like getting itchy thinking about that. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I hate that so much. My favorite phrase that perfectly described it is when someone says enough about me let's talk about me yeah and I'm just like, that's it that's the person yeah it's so hard sometimes to break out of those cycles but sometimes you just find yourselves in them but what i will say is very very common is sometimes going back to our original point this need to be courteous this need to be polite or like this conditioning to be polite can sometimes get in your way with stopping those people who are talking at you and i i think of this because i really think back to when i was single and dating 
the number of men and again like i'm sure it happens to guys from women too but i can only speak from my experience but the number of men who we could go 45 minutes into a date and they wouldn't have asked me how i am what i'm into nothing this was genuinely how good of a like how good of a listener i am just listening to their bullshit because it was this one way conversation mm. and that was one of those situations where i would come away kicking myself because i'd be like at no point did i step in and just either end it or switch the conversation around because i was more focused on being the courteous polite one like don't interrupt let this person keep speaking and that was when it bit me in the ass because as much as i stand politeness and courtesy all of it i love it i love manners technically they were the ones being rude in that scenario but the traditional conventional thing to do is don't interrupt let this person speak and mm. then you just end up in a situation where it's like cognitive dissonance you're like do i go against how much i care about manners to shut this person up or do i point out the fact that they're being rude for not letting me speak hmm you know and yeah, i yeah, yeah. and i know so many women who are caught in this boat so many women who are like oh should i say something cuz i don't want to make it weird and so our politeness gets in our own way hmm when we could just be like i wasn't done talking and then <sighs> you know power move and i'm gonna stop you there and let me get back to my point <laughs> i do this thing where i go like i wasn't finished speaking Oh, I said that and uh, I got yelled at once. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I was told that I was rude and aggressive for pointing out the fact that they had interrupted me. And I had actually said in a very polite and direct manner, sorry, please don't interrupt. I wasn't done speaking. And the inflammatory reaction I got as a result of that, I was rude. I was out of line. And I was like, this is absolutely ridiculous. Because again, it's one of those things where it's like, if you do choose to challenge conventional manners and make that point and stand up for yourself you also have to be ready for the reaction not being what you would hope oh what a shame yeah what an absolute disappointment of a reaction did i keep going yes because by good. that point i don't like this person anymore good and the thing is that you think that we kind of grow out of these things or people grow out of these things no but you look at their parents and you're like no no totally not it. yeah totally not so it's one of those things where it's like it's kind of like when you get an injury and you don't make a point of doing all the rehab that it's going to take for you to, I don't know, stop limping. Next thing you know, you just got to limp for the rest of your life Jesus. because you never did the thing to like rebalance yourself. And this is why I love listeners. Honestly, like think you guys of, don't talk back. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, the the quality in people that I love are the ones who are considerate and the people who can be and are naturally or also with good effort just good listeners to i think like i think to be a good listener to someone is such an ultimate love language it is like i'm going to stop everything in this moment i'm going to be present with you and i'm going to hold space for you to listen and and th just the act of listening alone is so overlooked like i want to give praise to the people who find themselves being the natural listeners and the dynamics because they're the ones who are able to do what very few people actually can mm -hmm. which is to shut up <laughs> yes because i do think people completely confuse or don't recognize the difference between letting someone finish and actually hearing what they have to say. Totally. And also that's where quiet confidence breeds. 
it's true. people who can actually have to sit there without feeling like they have to say anything and without the need to have to be heard with have to like bid for some subconscious attention from others because like they're so content they're confident with who they are that they can just be there without having to like take up space they're just so comfortable with themselves that their presence and is like it's no biggie for them exactly yeah. it's that whole thing about like there's so much power in what's left unsaid and it's the fact that if you can take the time to listen to someone else and just hold your own cards and know that you will have the opportunity to play them but it's not necessarily right now that is a much more powerful position to be in i actually noticed this a lot with work recently because i and people, people don't actually know this about me, but I am a professional public speaker. Like they don't realize this. You tell them though, guys. I'm a professional public speaker. Like I, so I get approached a lot to moderate panel discussions because it's not actually easy to do to govern a conversation around a topic when you have to not only give space to up to four to six other people to be able to say their piece, but to also weave together this greater conversation of what every single person is saying in the room and then constructing basically like this whole new picture of what they're trying to put across, right? And all of the feedback that I get, or at least all the positive feedback that I get, is that I have this way of being able to distill what someone has said and use it as means of connecting it to someone else's point. And I took a long time to wonder why people found it so special, because I consider that conversation. But what I realized is that there aren't actually that many people who are active listeners. Mm -hmm. Like my job actually requires so much active listening because you have to be extremely vigilant to everything that someone's trying to communicate and know how to communicate it for them as well. Because sometimes people get nervous and you have to be able to, to re like reconvey their ideas. But people kept telling me all about their quote, bad moderator experiences because that person was an interviewer. They're asking you a question, eliciting a response, waiting for you to finish and then asking you the next question. That's not the job. The job is to basically use it as a way of making every single person on your panel feel heard. And I don't think that that is that dissimilar to every conversation you should be hosting in your life. Totally. Whether it's at a family dinner table and hearing your parents argue and trying to help them communicate to each other better to, I don't know, a boardroom experience where you're trying to navigate people's interests in the workplace, like, or just your friends or when you have your girl circles, like when you have your girl circles and we're all yelling at each other and talking about all kinds of different shit, everyone wants to be heard. But like, you don't want any one of your girlfriends to leave not feeling like they said their piece or were acknowledged for the piece they brought to the table. It's just about making you feel like you're as much a part of it as anyone else. Mm-hmm. Preach, girl. Preach. <sighs> it's so interesting. You start to get it, huh? When we get older, we're like, oh. Are we wise? <laughs> <laughs> but no, remember when people would be like, he's a great listener. They're a great listener. No, being a good listener, I'm starting to see is like, so overlooked and is actually one of the greatest values that I wish people didn't overlook as much as I think we do. Genuinely, when I was single, the thing that could guarantee you a second date with me is if I felt like you were a good listener. Mm -hmm. If you gave me as much opportunity to speak as you did and not only heard what I had to say, but used it as means to keep our conversation going, 
we were going to go on a second date. Like, without a shadow of a doubt. It's, and the thing is that, like, the like that should be our baseline, but we act like it's special. That's the thing. We all need to hit this ground floor. This mm -hmm. is the ground floor. If you haven't figured it out, work on it. You really, like, your world opens up when you do. I think all of us have our own individual journeys realizing throughout our experiences where we feel we land or the people we care about land or the people who have annoyed us in the past land when it comes to that scale of like the balance of sharing, holding space, listening, being the one speaking. It is a balance. And I think anytime that balance gets tipped over, that's when it's warranted to bring in terms like energy vampires. Mm. That's when it's warranted for you and I to show up at this podcast being like, social decency fucking <laughs> <laughs> listen to me jesus christ and but but you know that's that is actually also about living intentionally it's about mindfulness it's just like knowing these things that we take for granted we expect to be the baseline and kind of pulling our experiences back to actually check in on them and see if we're experiencing them at the baseline we want to have it's like this is it this is the peel back of it but you also have to be adaptable, right? Because as much as we acknowledge that we want this to be our baseline and we want to use this as like the grounds to become even better at it, you also have to acknowledge that sometimes you are going to come across friends that are near and dear to you who aren't at that baseline. And that's not for you to judge them for it, discard them for it. Like they're going to take their own time to work on it, help them through that because it's going to be the betterment of both of your relationships i think because i think i think so much of like especially internet generation days these days we're like that person is toxic they're out of my life mm. and it's like there's too much of this disposability of people who don't check every box for you and i think that's a problem like i genuinely have beef with it because when it's coming to dating or whatever and you're a first date in and this person is just not hitting the right notes fine you have no time invested in them it's all good but I do think that with people who are close to you, you need to offer them a lot of grace. I think grace is part of this courtesy pyramid that gets lost very quickly these days. And I'm not cool with it. You mean grace as in like just they're having a bad spell and that, that they're not checking, checking boxes? Or they're just not at the level yet, but it's probably something they could easily work on. Like I'll give you an example, right? My parents have a very interesting communication style in that if they argue, they will hear each other, but they're not listening to each other. And so for them, it's this active effort of being like, okay, I have to take what I initially heard and then repackage it in a way where I can actually understand where this person is coming from. And I mean, throughout the course of my childhood, it was terrible. Like they just weren't having effective arguments. But even now at this age, because of conversations like the one we're having, they're making this this effort. And like, I'm not going to be like, oh, these guys are just incapable of it. No, of course they're not. They're my parents and I love them. And I'm going to hope and encourage them to work this out for themselves because it's going to improve the relationships across their lives, not just between each other. And I think where this comes from is like, I think about a lot of the media we consume is American. And I think especially around the holiday season, and maybe it's because of Thanksgiving that this comes to mind, where people have all those posts about how to create healthy boundaries with toxic family members or how to how to not get uh, emotionally down about the holiday season because I don't know your family's chaotic. Do you know the you mm -hmm, know the content mm -hmm, I mean? Mm -hmm. Where I think if you really are in a situation where your family is that toxic to you, I I think that's that's really sucky and I hope that you 
get the distance you need. But I also think that sometimes when that's the dominant narrative, people project it onto their own lives where the situation isn't as bad. And they just remove people's chance at improving because they're like, it's bad, it's toxic, it's out. Rather than being like, it's toxic, but there's grounds to make this better. Right, right. Do you know it, what I mean? Yeah, I do, I do. It's it's like it's like when the whole term trauma got very trendy and then people were applying trauma to things that were like very minuscule in comparison yeah, like to your like mom some yelled tra- at you. Yeah, like yeah. compared to like <laughs> real trauma. People were like, that was traumatic. And he just, I don't know got like a feedback letter from work or something like and then people were comparing it to like real life trauma so you're basically saying the whole like the mindset of like people are toxic they're using that term so broadly that they're applying it to people who just make them uncomfortable yeah and i think that like that's to rob yourself of making your relationship with whoever person so much deeper if you were to just work on it with them rather than think that because this isn't your ideal or your baseline that you're just going to get rid of them. Mm. I I think obviously it's going to come down to a case by case basis. I just I think people need to think a bit more carefully about when they think they need to distance themselves from something versus work through something. There's mm. a difference. Totally. Totally. But also at the same time, just to argue that back, I also am on team like if they're not good for you. But if they're not good for you in terms of every single time they're with you, you find yourself drained, demotivated and your own esteem dips. Yeah, maybe you start asking yourself some more serious questions. And I also don't like the mindset of like, just because they're family, you have to keep them around. Agree. Yeah, like there could be that toxic auntie that actually every time you see her, she's just got nothing she's to say. She's just a bitch. But she's just a bitch. She's just criticizing you. She's commenting on the amount of food on your plate. She's poking your belly. She's talking about you as if you're not in the room. And she has this entitlement because she's your elder. Like, I actually think that that we can kind of move onward as a as a general, like, approach to big group dynamics. No, it, I think wholeheartedly it's, I think it's a very Asian thing as well that, like, our elders are, like, royalty you know when you're kids you're like my auntie and stuff like whatever you do you have to show them the utmost and i agree respect your elders totally but when but now we're elders we're also adults now and if that person we're aunties now we're also elders but if that person is just consistently being nasty to you i just don't think you need to justify sticking around them just because they're your family okay so i completely completely agree I think I mean that when this is a person who's much closer to you and there's actually potential for you both to work on something together, then it's worth pursuing. I think it's more the worry that people are blind to that potential of working on something. But if this is a person who there's no potential there, like that person just is and they're never going to change. Those are the people, yeah, then maybe you create a safe space for yourself and you step back. But I do think there's ones where it's more collaborative. I hear you. Sharpen those scissors. Snip, snip. What are we circumcising? (laughs) Your auntie. Oh. (laughs) It's like, where do these scissors come from? (laughs) Um, Anyway, just some croissants for your brain today from this episode. These flaky (laughs) (laughs) buttery sugary bits (laughs) for you to digest.
Um, and as always, I'm curious, what are your views on the topics we brought up today? When we spoke about, you know, dreaming and obsessing over a new environment, a new life, or jumping out of the rock pool into the ocean, like what did that strike for you? Because I think everyone has a story that they can resonate with that. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to the value of being a good listener, was that something that you we were raised with? Because some people are not raised with this, right? This is also the way that your family brings you up. Or is this something that you learned as your years passed and through your own experience of dealing with different types of personalities? And then also, who's your annoying bitch-ass aunt? Yeah. <laughs> Who is she? Who is the one? Tag her. <laughs> Send her this episode. <laughs> So a little update on the podcast, because I think we need yeah, to touch on the that. The big question being, where do we go from here? Frankly, we're going to be consistently inconsistent. That's the truth. It's going to yeah. be even harder for us to keep recording with this new long distance relationship that we're about to embark on. Oh, my God. We're actually going to be a long distance relationship. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Really? Is it? I'm going to call you every day, morning and night. But we are going to do our best to come back to the podcast probably early next year. But we are going to give ourselves this like break for me to just adjust Get settled to my new life. For Marissa to stare longingly out the window for me. What do you mean? I'm going to be designing your spare room. That's that, true. And that spare room will double as a podcast When studio. she moves in with her boyfriend. Oh my God. Oh my God. Big step. So you're starting a new life. I'm starting a new life. Are we growing up again? The cycle never ends. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's true. And I think also the fact that it's it's December now. Year's ended. I think everyone is due to just tune out, take your break. We will obviously be back when. We'll figure it out. But we, we will be. Because... I can't say goodbye yet. I know. I can't, I can't I know. do that yet. It's too much. It's our thing. I was telling a friend about it sooner, and I was saying that the world needs to know how funny we are and how else they're going to do it unless we force it down their ears on a global platform <laughs> so, like it's Spotify. It's so ironic. We're talking about being good listeners. And this whole relationship that we have with you, our listeners, is us talking at you. So we see yeah. the irony. We see it. We understand it. It's ironic, but we also listen to your feedback and write back and talk to you and stuff. So it's okay. It's okay. Um, and on that note, have a wonderful rest of the year and a little bit after. <gasps> oh, yeah. It's happy Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy New Year. Happy Chinese New Year. Happy birthday. I don't know. Happy Hari Raya. <laughs> <laughs> Every single holiday, no matter your religious, spiritual, or social denomination. Happy that. And we will see you, hear from you, talk to you when we do next. Love you. Bye, guys.